0: You know what time of year it is, just as much as I do, you have millions and millions of advertisements telling you or trying to convince you what your New, new Year's resolutions need to be, right? Are you getting those messages? And there's always the same, the same things are on the same list every year, and then everyone always tells you that you never meet them by the time you get to the end of January, and then we just do this whole you know, we do this dance again every, at the end of every December. And something, though, happened this year that had not happened to me in years past. Sometimes, often, when you get to this time of year, they do a review of the year. You know, that, you know these talk shows or, you know, Good Morning America, whatever. Just pick your, pick your show, pick your thing, and they'll do a review of what's happened. All the big stories from the year. Well, the music service I use, Spotify decided that, I didn't know if, because it's there's an image, there's an image coming. And it may not come, so I'm going to have to tell you about it. But it's not going to be nearly as good as when you see it. Uh, so, uh, let me just tell you a lot about Spotify. Uh, I could sell you Spotify. Um, so, I use Spotify, and what Spotify did this year is they decided to do a review in a story form of the kind of music you listen to, who, what your top songs were, who your top artists were, how many hours you listened to music for this past year. They even began to compare it to years past. So, you know, I signed up for Spotify a few years ago, and so it started to tell me year after year, you know, how many minutes I had listened to Spotify. And, and then it just compared those things. And it told me what my favorite genres were this year. Uh, I don't know, do you use Spotify? Any of you use this? Did any of you get this? Did you get a review of the year of what your, what your music was? Okay, I see some hands, good. Well, um, we're going to just move forward. We're just going to move forward. The good thing this morning is I'm not heavy on my slides. I can actually just use my Bible, physical Bible. Okay, some of you are like, thankfully. Golly, I was tired of reading off the screen. Um, so let me just tell you about my Spotify journey this past year. And it may come up on the screen uh, in just a second. It might. I don't want to spend all of our time waiting for the screen. Can you give me a sense? Do you think we'll have it up on the screen? Okay, that's okay. Let's just do this with your imagination. You imagine a bunch of graphs and at the top was show tunes like Broadway. And then I had folk pop. And then I had Christian music down here Don't, no judgment, no judgment. And then I had some other genre and two other genres. It was this weird mix. One was called Melody Gold. I don't even know what that means, but they identified me as listening to Melody Gold. Uh, And so uh, it then gave me a definition. It it gave me a description of what this meant. It called me, Spotify called me uh, uh, Genre fluid, genre fluid, that you couldn't peg me for any one genre. I was all over the place. Now, why show tunes? Because this year I had an opportunity to see Hamilton, the Broadway play Hamilton at DPAC, and I just could not get enough of Hamilton. And so I don't know how many times I listened to the soundtrack, but Spotify said I was addicted, so much so that it was my top, my top one. Um, And so genre fluid. Now, here's what Spotify wanted me to do. Spotify wanted me, then, after seeing how much music and the kind of music I listened to, they then set up, <laughs> holy spirit moment, hold on, they wanted me to listen to, and they set up a series of playlists, here it is, here it is, Whew, this was a long introduction, bless your hearts, um, d- I know, and I appreciate that. That might come up here in just a moment in this sermon because we're doing like a year in review, but man, we're taking a long time to get to it. This was, this was my year in review. So Swing was my other. Swing was one of them. Not Melody, but it was Mellow Gold. So that's, that's, that's how much, and I guess it's like hundreds and hundreds of minutes here of listening to this. Um, now, let's continue. So what Spotify does is after they do your year in review... They then set up different playlists so that you can keep listening to things into the new year. So they set up your favorite genres, your favorite artists, your favorite albums, and then they want you to start listening to that into 2020. And they can set you up for something that is personalized. What's interesting is they made me remember so that they could get me to do a, to behave a certain way in 2020. They wanted to kind of form the way my listening habits looked into 2020 by making me remember 2019. And I thought that's, that's kind of what I want to do this morning. I want us to do some remembering for the new year. That's what I want to do. So I want us to take us back into 2019 and then I want to kind of cast a vision for 2020. Like what could 2020 look like for us based on our 2019? So that's what I want to do in our few minutes together. When I think about 2019... There's a lot of things I could say about it, a lot of things we could say as a church about it. But I want to take 2019 as a church, and I want to boil that down into three scriptures. So three scriptures, 2019, in three scriptures. So that's our journey this morning, 2019 in three scriptures. And I kind of have some words associated with all of these scriptures, and I don't think any of them are going to surprise you. Let's start with Psalm 1. Let's just put up that Psalm 1 slide, not the scripture yet. Psalm 1, Psalm 1 is a scripture that comes to mind when I begin to think about 2019. And I think about this word love associated with Psalm 1. Now, before we take a journey through the actual passage, let me set the stage. When both of us, you as a church, me as an individual, started 2019, we were both looking for each other. We just didn't know it. I knew that I was going to be transitioning from the church I was at, but I didn't know if I was going to go into corporate America and just try to make a lot of money and take care of my family or that God would still keep me in full-time vocational ministry. I didn't know what that was going to look like as I'd be started into January. We just had the birth of our fourth fourth kid, and I remember holding Micah that morning. I was watching a Bible study on TV. I'd never do this, but that morning I was. He was just maybe a week old. And I remember thinking, I'm not done. I'm not done teaching the scriptures. I'm not done as a pastor. And that began my search. Well, lo and behold, you as a church were on a journey looking for someone like me. And so, come middle of January, we met. And by we, you, Terry Wheeler represented all of you. So I met Terry, he met me. And there started our journey together. What I didn't realize was how much I needed you. And I mean this, like I needed you as a church. Because you weren't just a church, and you're not just a church that just tries to perform really well, or grow by numbers, or be the megachurch of Roanoke Rapids. You have something more fundamental about you. And that's why I'm picking the word love. From the first moment, like literally, the first conversation I had with Terry, all the way through this journey to when we ended up at East 10th, we experienced love from you. We didn't experience judgment. We didn't experience being taken through a ringer to make sure that we, I was some perfect candidate. You understood some of my flaws. I understood some of the places you had to grow. But there was love. I remember with the first moment we came for that interview, you were unique. There was something about you we wanted to be a part of. And Tess and I both walked away saying, this is a church that loves one another. Like, we want to go be part of that. Now, I happen to get employed to be a part of that, but we'd want to be a part of that even if we weren't emplo- you know, I wasn't employed. We want to be part of something that has that kind of love. And so when I got here... There's kind of some things you can do when you start in a ministry, and some of my friends have done this. One way, one thing you can do is that you can come in with big, a big vision, a big numerical goal, goal some big number you want to hit, like attendance or giving or influence, and you come in and you preach this big series on vision. And you give it to the people, almost like coming down off Mount Sinai, down to the ordinary people, and you tell them what they've always known they needed to hear, that God has a vision for them, and then we go for it, and we hit those numeric goals. But that wasn't going to fit this church, because this church had, was more, had more to do with love than it did performance. And so we started our journey together on a five-week series through Psalm 1. And we said that from this psalm, we would establish this relationship, that we want to be a particular kind of people who produce good fruit, fruit like love, that we would be a people who produce love. That's what we would be known for. That's what we would build on because this church already has a foundation of being a particular kind of church. So let's go build from there. And so Psalm 1 started our journey together to be a particular kind of people, not the biggest, most influential people in the region. So, with Psalm 1 as our first scripture, let's just take a look. I just want to read that passage to remind us where we've been together. Psalm 1. Psalm 1, first Psalm in the book of Psalms, we read, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Well, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they're like shafts that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction." This psalm has everything to do about the kind of people we're becoming, and we, we talked a lot about being trees, well-rooted in God's Word, people who produce good fruit, fruit that's going to last a long time. And As, we've, as we have danced together, as we've, as we've grown together, you know there are kids throughout Roanoke Rapids that now have food in their bellies on the weekends, more than they did Because this is a church that produces fruits of love. Generous. A generous people. I've heard stories of forgiveness. I've heard stories of just dealing with one another when you annoy each other. I've heard stories of perseverance. I've heard stories of patience. And all of that is shaping who I am. And so we are doing this together because we are growing like trees planted by streams of water. We will not be a church that is addicted to numeric growth. We're not going to be a church that just tries to bend to everyone's whim. We'll be a church that is becoming a particular kind of people, first and foremost, defined by love. Because that's who you were when I found you, and that's who we will continue to become as we grow together. That's part of what I see when I look at 2019. Psalm 1, love. Now, when you're a particular kind of person you begin to also exhibit other fruits, like other things grow in your life. Not just in moments of happiness, right? Like, you know, it'd be great if life was always happy. We were always on our way to Disneyland. But often, trials and sufferings come our way. And I'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that when when we think about 2019 as a church family, there was a lot of suffering in 2019. And there were some losses. And those have been hard on us. And so I just don't want to bulldoze over those, acting like everything is high pie in the sky. We had some deep losses, some deep hurts. And we still have people in our church family that are suffering. Like, they're, they're going through sickness. They don't even know the, how the, what, this will, what the outcome will be on the other side of these sicknesses. And so we got hurting in our church. And there's a scripture that, that, has, that has formed some of those conversations, and I've heard it not, not just from, from me to you, but I've heard it from you to me and to each other, a scripture that has given some foundation that has helped shape the kind of people we are. It's kind of come alongside as a companion to Psalm 1. Now, this isn't a scripture that I have preached on verse by verse, but it's one that has come up in sermons, and it definitely has been one that has come up at bedsides or in prayers. That's Psalm 23. Psalm 23. So when I think of a second scripture, so that those that, that three scriptures, 2019 and, and three scriptures, I also think of Psalm 23. I remember just weeks ago on Laura Conover's last afternoon here on this earth, I remember that as, a, as being with her family, we prayed Psalm 23. And then Billy told me about about how that scripture had been blessing and ministering to his family. Unbeknownst to me, those two blessings came into that room at that moment. It was a special moment. I know that for some of you, I have prayed Psalm 23 over you when you've been sick. And this is a scripture that I want to define who we are when we hit suffering and trials. It's an ancient psalm. I want to actually quote it, so we're going to read it here. I'm actually using the New King James Version. I I didn't want to pull the full weight of the King James, but I wanted us to grab some of the sense of that older language. So here's Psalm 23. I think this is a scripture that is good for us, has been and will be. Here it is, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. That scripture, that vision, what words that I would tie to that would be hope and trust. Those have been words that I have seen lived out in you as a church. I've seen seen some of you facing very dire diagnosis and yet have trust and hope. That you actually believe that the Lord is your shepherd and you will be in no want. That's the kind of person I want to become. I want us as a church to be defined by Psalm 23. Not just because that's a future vision, because that's what I've seen in you. And that is our words that we have spoke to one another. So as I remember 2019, I'm seeing hope and trust define us as a church. And I've seen Psalm 23 coming alongside us. As the kind of people we're becoming. Those are those two passages. The third one. The third one. So how in the world do you become the kind of person that could be defined by love as your fruit? And how in the world do you become the kind of person where Psalm 23 defines you when you face trial and sickness and suffering? Well, it's going to come alongside this third passage. It's a passage we have rolled over many times in our time together. Now, it's not one we've done a sermon on specifically, but man, it's come up in Next Steps, and it's been one that's come up in sermons. It's Matthew chapter 11. It's going to be the end of chapter 11. The word that comes to mind here is apprenticeship. That if we're going to become the kind of people that, that are producing love for one another, and if we're going to be the kind of people that Psalm 23 would def- define us in suffering, the only way you're going to do either of those is if you apprentice yourself to Jesus. You've got to get really close to Jesus. You have to become his student and learn from him. We have to learn from him. Take a look. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. We're going to read it out of the NIV, and if you'll allow me to take a slight detour into the message, we're going to read it from the message. I want you to get the full sense of what Jesus is saying here. This is from the NIV. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You you take my yoke upon you, and you learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what the message, how Eugene Peterson translates this in a paraphrase. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. This is the piece I want to grab at that Peterson does such a great job of getting the sense of that original language. Walk with him, you work with him, you watch how he does it, and you keep company with him. That's what it means to be an apprentice. And we have been taking that really seriously. That is to become the kind of person that overflows with love, something you've been doing and that we can continue to do. and. And to be the kind of people that is defined by Psalm 23 when facing suffering, something you, I've already seen in you and I want to see us continue to do, well, you're going to have to keep company with Jesus. You have to walk alongside him. And to do that, we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark. It's one of the fastest moving Gospels. And so we've been taking our sweet time walking through that Gospel. The reason? Because I'm convinced to become a Psalm 1 people who are then also defined by Psalm 23, you have to walk with Jesus. And what better way than week after week in the start of our journey together for many years to come, we literally study and walk with Jesus through a gospel. And so we've watched him. We're trying to do what he does. We've listened to him. We've tried to make applications. That is so that we can do the things Jesus did by his grace. That's why, that's why Matthew 11 is why we walk through the Gospel of Mark at such a glacial pace. Because we need to come right alongside him as his students and learn from him. And when you get Jesus, you're going to get everything else thrown in. And so that's the journey we've been on in 2019. The Gospel of Mark has been a defining part of our life together because we want to be like him. And so those three scriptures, those three scriptures to me are 2019 in a nutshell for our church and for me personally. So if I took all those words, let's take all those words, put four words up, kind of as a summary, 2019, love, trust, hope, and apprenticeship. I think this is the journey we've been on. I think you had it before I ever got here, and I think we've been able to continue since I arrived. Now, let's take that and move it into some goals for 2020, okay? Now, don't put it up yet. Don't put that slide up yet. I want you to get ready. I want you to get ready. These are our goals for 2020. Are you ready? We're going to call it 2020 application, literally. Here we go. Let's put it up. <laughs> Stick with me. Love, trust, hope, and apprenticeship. There it is. Those are our 2020 goals. Someone a lot smarter than me once said that the goal of the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. And I want that to be what we do as a church. We don't need anything fancy. We don't need to be hashtag trending. We need to have a long obedience in the same direction. And there's nothing wrong with love, trust, hope, and apprenticeship. And so that becomes where we go in 2020. Those are words that I still want to define us. So what would that look like if we're talking about resolutions? Let's put this, let's put this next slide up kind of to, to, to kind of move us in the right direction. Let's not focus first on New Year's resolutions, but instead on the kind of people we want to be. And now if we take those words and we kind of insert them into resolutions, kind of the, that is the kind of people we want to become, not just bullet points, it would be we want to be people who are growing in love, developing deeper trust and hope in God, and becoming more like Jesus as his apprentices. That's that's how I would take all of that and put it into just a real short, short summary. I want us to be a church that is growing in love, developing deeper hope and trust in God, and then becoming more like Jesus as his apprentices, his apprentices. That's, that's really the goal. And you're not going to go wrong with those. You become that kind of people. If that's who we are becoming, everything else is going to happen is just going to work its way out. That's why when you water an apple tree and keep it healthy, it will produce good apples. So what we want to do is become the right kind of people under the kingdom of God, and all those other things will take care of themselves. So what, what, how in the world do you do those things? Let me, let me just kind of think of it in terms of time because we all have it. So where you put your time is really going to matter. I'm just going to break this into some categories because some of you do some of these really well and some of you need to, some of you need to emphasize more uh, one than the other. So take a look. Three, three areas of time. This would be time with Jesus. This it might be time with his people and time serving others. I'm going to just think of it in, those, in those, three, those three categories. So some of you do really well at being alone and spending time with Jesus, studying His Word. But maybe church attendance isn't the thing. Like, that's, that's not necessarily a priority. But maybe you're also serving others. Again, maybe the attendance thing isn't a priority. Well, maybe in 2020, to grow in love, that is to develop deeper trust and and to become more like Jesus, you're going to have to put more time in on spending on time with his people. You're going to have to put more time in there because you're not going to become the kind of person defined by Psalm 1 and wrapped in Psalm 23 that looks like Matthew 11. You're not going to get that if you avoid hanging out with his people. And that example can go with the other two. If you think you can just come to church and, and just be here but not serve others when it's uncomfortable or spend time with Jesus alone, you're not going to get the full range of spiritual transformation that is becoming like Jesus and growing in love and developing trust and hope. So you're going to need all of these. So I'm just, I just want you to think and throw around here, if you were going to think in terms of time, where might you need to just put a few more chips in on your time? With Jesus, with his people, or serving others? There's a lot of other categories. There's nuance here. But for time's sake, we're throwing those three up. Okay? So when you think about a resolution, a New Year's resolution, maybe just for you individually, this is my challenge. It's going to be your next step. Your next step, my next step, is this. Pick a resolution. Pick a resolution. I'm not against resolutions, but pick a resolution that trains you to be more like Jesus. So weight loss can be a really great resolution. But weight loss for weight loss sake doesn't get you much. Self-control in the kingdom of God can get you a lot. Maybe you don't want to yell so much. Maybe you have small kids. Maybe that's a reality in your home. Maybe I'm just projecting onto you my life. I don't know. (laughs) Not yelling is not the point showing love and being gentle in the way of Jesus. That's the point. Now, maybe the discipline to get there is to reduce the volume of my voice or the frequency of my discipline. Now, maybe that's the point here. But if my resolution is simply not to yell or not to get so angry so often or to be more patient, you know, these things, these are not, these, these in and of themselves can't get me there. The resolution is a means to a greater end. And that's how I want us to frame your resolutions. Okay? This is the way I want us to think. And have love and hope and trust and apprenticeship. Have it right there in front of you. You've had it there already. I'm just giving words to who you already are and who we are going to become as a church. But pick a resolution that will help train you to be more like Jesus. There's a million ways you can do that. But keep in front of you your end goal. And then 2020 will look a lot like 2019. Minus not having a pastor. I feel like Terry's about to jump up. We're in a revival. Like, amen, amen. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us uh, this year in 2019. I'm thanking you personally part of my family that you brought us here to this loving church. Thank you also for a community with so many other loving churches. Thank you for other pastors. Thank you for other leaders. Thank you for civil servants. Thank you for those in this community that are deeply in love with you and that, that I and my family get to be part of it. Thank you that this church has been building on a foundation for many years before we ever got here. And thank you that you have been faithful to them for many years. Thank you for faithfulness to all the churches that we are friends with and we ask your blessings over them into 2020. Help us as a people to become more like your son. I pray that you would help us make decisions, that we would create habits and that we would move in the same direction we were moving in 2019. But help us grow in love, help us develop deeper faith deeper trust, deeper hope in you. And would you take care of us as we are becoming more like your son as his students, as his apprentices. Thank you for your faithfulness, even in the midst of our suffering. You get all the glory for that. And we're going to ask you to take care of us because we know 2020 will come with its challenges as well, as well as its celebrations. So thanks for helping us. We pray it in the name of your son, Jesus, the Messiah. And together we say,